Morelites! Ryan Pinagos, aka Marvel's Agent M here, joined by Damian Abraham F. Dup's Pink Eye. Yeah! That's, now we both have code names. Yes, I like it. I like it. And thank you for uh, saying F. Up. I knew. I knew right away that, you know what? They're not going to be able to have the F and then dash, dash, dash like in the books sometimes. Yeah. So I'm going to have to censor myself. Yes, I appreciate it. Um, so you've this is the second time you've been to Marvel. Second time. Uh, the first time I was like trying to wrap my head around how do we do it while still being able to talk about who you are and a lot of the things that you've done. But I think, you know what, screw it. Uh, we're having a good time and it's awesome. We can make it work. I, we will keep down, uh, we will keep the name of the band to a minimum. <laughs> And we will play up the uh, names of uh, our, ourselves. Yeah. There. But before we get, you know, we, we stray away from the band, um, tell tell the Marvel listeners, mm-hmm. um, because one of the things I love that we get to do on, on This Week in Marvel and, and for the podcast and stuff is, like, put awesome things that we're passionate about in front of people, whether it's wrestling or music or, or actors and movies and stuff that don't necessarily automatically connect to Marvel mm-hmm. and then open up our fans to something new. So tell tell the fans about Effed Up and, you know, like who you guys are. I think, you know, Effed Up is a punk band that formed I, coming on 15 years ago now. I know, I'm shocked that when I say that out loud, it makes me feel a little bit older. <laughs> um, and uh, it, we basically kind of came together. We were all huge fans of punk rock. We all kind of knew each other, weren't really friends. And I think if you asked anyone back then who knew us, we would not have stuck together as a band. Uh, and so we started forming and playing shows. And I think, you know, you know, to immediately bring it to comic books, a lot of what informed us was uh, Mike, our guitarist, and Josh, who was the original lead singer for the first two shows till I replaced him, then he became the second <laughs> guitarist. The two of them were kind of becoming uh, obsessed and immersed in radical politics, uh, uh, sort of anarcho-syndicalism and and all sorts of stuff like that but a lot of it was also finding these themes reflected in you know Grant Morrison's comics like mm-hmm. finding like a lot of these sorts of bigger heady political themes yeah, yeah. Are, are in these comic books and I think that was the basis of kind of like trying to have these big heady concepts but put into the three minute punk song and then eventually we mutated and our songs got a little longer. A little bit longer. <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> but I think that was the original goal was to yeah. try and find that way of, you know, Trojan horsing ideas out there into the world, you know. And, like, you could slip in subversive radical ideas into a framework that might be a little more palatable for people. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that that's sort of been, I think, a, a lot of influence for both of us through punk and stuff mm-hmm. like that over mm-hmm. the years like something hard and fast and loud and crazy sounds great when you're 16 but if you start to listen to the lyrics maybe there's something more to yeah. that and like that seeps into your brain and seeps into you know, just the way you think and the way you act and how you approach things which is super important yeah like the, the propaganda a band from winnipeg who were huge for people like us in our era like that was a great episode too oh, of, oh, of your show. oh. we'll get to that on, on here but oh, but that yeah but he, you know chris Hanna from propaganda yeah. like a, a, a massive massive influence and I, I have no idea where i was going with that <laughs> I tell you how, well, how, how those the politics or the messages oh yeah yeah, yeah sorry like, yeah sorry exactly where i was going with that propaganda here's this band and they they're 
they were the way that I was introduced to all these radical concepts, veganism, which I know isn't that radical now, but like, sure, but you know, like, but like, you know, the ideas of uh, of getting rid of borders, like all these sorts of things that you know, for a fourteen year old kid, are just not in the realm yeah. of possibility when you're listening to Motley Crue and Poison <laughs> and then all of a sudden you've got this band that's playing fast, kind of better than these other bands I was listening to at the time and then once I sat down and listened to their lyrics I'm like, oh, it's not just Girls, Girls, Girls or or like some other party song. I don't know Motley Crue that well. Uh, or Every Feel Rose, Good. Yeah, or Dr. Feel Good or Every Rose Has Its Thorn which yeah. is a killer ballad, I should say. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, their songs are about like things that I don't understand but things I should understand and know. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that you know punk and also in wrestling too. Like when you see a wrestler, all of us that are fans of wrestling are appreciating it on so many different levels. Like we're appreciating it on the spectacle level of you're seeing these guys have this great uh, staged in some people's minds or predetermined physical interaction. But then when you're a wrestling fan, you also know the guy that's losing might probably be the better worker and is making the other guy look better by losing. Yeah. But then you also appreciate on the fact that these two guys backstage hate each other because <laughs> one of them is cheating on the other one's partner with them. And, like, you're just like – so it's just like I love that. And in comic books too, like, you know, like you know about the artists and you love these artists and you love their personalities. You love these characters from other things. You love when the artists that you love and the writer that you love and the creators that you love come together with a character that you love and take it in a different direction. Sometimes that makes you angry when they do that too. I imagine what? you have to deal with that. Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> That's okay though. I mean, the passion is the, like, the exactly. most important part, right? Like if we didn't have passionate fans who loved your band, who loved our comics, who loved the wrestling, whatever that we're talking about, like they wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. they, they couldn't survive without that passion. And I think this is also, this is our time. Like, this is the time of the otaku. Like, this is the time of the people that are obsessed. Like, the people that weren't like, oh, yeah, like, I read Spider-Man once or twice when I was a kid. Or, I, oh, yeah, like, I like that song that comes on the radio when it comes on the radio. This is the time for people that are like, no, I love it. Like, I, I love it. I'm yeah. immersed in this world. And, and pop culture is reflecting that. You know, the Marvel movies that are coming out. Bands like even Arcade Fire getting popular, like that is reflecting a, a democratized taste of yeah. like this is what people want. You know, they want like these big things now. Yeah, uh, it's funny you talk about the otaku and being obsessed. I was, I, I over the last couple of years, it's just become more and more, become more obsessed with Godzilla and mm -hmm. kaiju and, and stuff like that. And my friend the other day, we were talking, and he's like, "Finally, you've got something that you're more obsessed of than anything else." <laughs> Uh, what are you obsessed with right now? Like, what's what's constantly like getting you super excited? Um. Well, one thing I don't think we should probably talk nah. about on this show uh, <laughs> that I'm very interested in and make movies about, but we won't talk about that on the show. But the other thing is, I, I, for me, it's, it's weird. Like, I found. It's not like I find new things that I get excited about. I'm excited about baseball because I have kids and they love watching baseball. So that's awesome. I'm excited about watching baseball. But that's through them. Like sure. I would never say that's my passion. But for me, it's always been wrestling, uh, the other thing I'm not talking about, and records. Like, those are the three things that I think I, I've really kind of, and family, obviously, bigger than all those, <laughs> but those are, like, the three things, and it's just, like, finding different aspects of these culture yeah. that I can go become more obsessed with. Like, right now for wrestling, uh, Ring of Honor, I, I, I think Jay Lethal as so good. so good, and I just... I just love watching him, and I love seeing how he does it. He's a heel. Like, you, you watch it. You know, he's a heel that you can 
feel for and still hate. And yeah. it's, it's perfect. And and so, like, yeah, that or, like, watching, you know, a couple months ago, it was, like, becoming completely obsessed with New Japan and trying. Yeah, once again, we're shared passions. Uh, Nakamura. Nakamura. Oh, my God. And I think the one, you know, and this is, of course, spilling over to the other conversation we just had. But, like, I love NXT. Nothing against NXT. Nothing against PWG. No, nothing against Ring of Honor at all. But when you watch that New Japan show in Japan with that big presentation and the people working those styles of matches, it just feels different. Like, not better, I don't want to say, but it feels bigger. Yeah. Like, it feels like you're seeing, oh, this is the way it could be. <laughs> this is yeah. the ideal. Do you get the Access Channel? No, we don't have access okay. to Canada. Do you subscribe to, the, to their web? Or? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. New Japan World. I think I'm gonna, I have to do that because I keep talking to friends who are the, saying the same thing. We just got a Chromecast thing, yeah, so yeah, now yeah. I can watch it on TV. That makes sense. So it's now like, it's like having the uh, New Japan Network. I'm going to do it. It's I'm good. It. And it's, I think that's the thing is like also, you know, probably for you with Godzilla, like you're saying, like I didn't know that much about Japanese wrestling when I got into it. Yeah. So now it's like, or I thought maybe I did think I knew a lot about it. Right. Like and I then, remember watching a lot of like death matches. Yeah. So I thought I, I know. A I lot know. About I know what's Japanese going on. Wrestling. I'm pretty up on it. And then once you get in there, and especially yeah. anything from Japan, yeah. like Japan is like another obsession of mine. <laughs> you. It, there's just it's so much bigger than you could ever have thought. Like there's like yeah, there's the death match, big big Japan stuff. Then there's like the new Japan stuff. Then there's the pancreas stuff, which is kind of like shoot fighting. Yeah. And then there's like all these little worlds. And at one point it was huge, and people were watching it everywhere. And it was like the sport of Japan. And now it's watched by so few people, but those few people care about it so passionately. Wow. And Japanese punk is my yeah. Oh, there's like because in Japan. Like everything else, I guess we're talking about. Like you know, there's there's like different scenes that are like scenes that we have here for every type of music, right? So there'll be like a like a pop punk scene, a Japanese pop punk scene, and things like that. But then there's a scene called Burning Spirits, hardcore, and all these bands are almost they're really influenced by this band called Gizm, G I S M, and you okay. can watch videos of them on YouTube. And the lead singer's taking flamethrowers to the crowd, throwing saws into the audience, Jesus. like. Sakevi is his name. And if you ask about him in Japan, people won't talk about him because they're worried that if he hears you talking about him, maybe I shouldn't have said his name here, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not going back to Japan for a while, uh, that he'll come. And, you know, it's like it's like Candyman or Boogeyman. So people, like, when you say, hey, what about Sakevi? People in Japan are like, oh, no, no, let's not. And you're like, okay. That's amazing. It's, it's incredible. Like, yeah. And so they were kind of like one of the first bands of this style of hardcore. Sonically, they sound nothing like the rest of these bands. I think... They are probably a huge influence on Mr. Bungle, and definitely the Poison Ideas covered one of their songs, and you can hear that a lot. In their My song. wife has just gotten into Mr. Bungle. <sighs> Gizem, that's the next gift you got for. Her. Yeah, Detestations of a four hundred dollar record now, so it's a it's an anniversary gift. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but then and then there's Gaze, who were, but then then the sound kind of refined itself, and so all these bands are very much Motorhead crossed with Discharge, but it's just pummeling pummeling music and every time I'm in Japan uh, much to my wife Lauren who's sitting here chagrin I will buy too many <laughs> Japanese punk records I want to get into record collecting but before we do that <laughs> yes. I, I, you mentioned Ring of Honor uh, where do you stand on Dalton Castle I think he's incredible he is one of my maybe top five favorite guys performing right now I uh, when when they did the Border Wars the last one in, in, in Toronto um, my friends from Live Audio Wrestling have they always have a luncheon with Ring of Honor where they'll bring two wrestlers and it was supposed to be Red Dragon you know and I'm a huge Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish fan great 
uh, Bobby Fish couldn't make it, so Kyle O'Reilly was there, which was awesome. And then Dalton came, and I, and I uh, yeah, I just it was I had just seen him only one of the uh-huh. shows, two of the shows before that, and everyone's like, he's amazing, he's amazing, and you know everyone's talking, and everyone's just kind of keeping easy. And then at the end, I go and introduce myself to him. I'm like, hey, my name's Damien Abraham, and he just gives me like the dead fish hand and gives it me to it for him to kiss, and he goes, my name's Dalton. I'm like, you are awesome. Oh my god, and I you love rule. he's a baby face. I know. Man. Like he's uh everything about it makes me so happy. That feud with him for the the, the last real man yeah. feud, I guess is what you could call it now. Yeah. It's gonna be incredible. I, I I cannot wait to see the outcome. I yeah. think that's the thing about Ring of Honor. You know, and I even love the production values now because it's it it reminds me of watching wrestling on a Sunday afternoon where it's shot on camcorder. Yeah, like yeah. I'd love to see it on a New Japan style presentation sure. with some of these people. Like Dalton Hardcastle coming out down a huge ramp uh, would be incredible with his boys and stuff. But I still think that presentation for it, I love watching it. Ring of Honor is my can't-miss wrestling show of the week. NXT, I, I definitely don't miss either, but... Did you watch... The, did you get Lucha Underground? We didn't, but I did. I okay. found a, yeah, I yeah, found yeah, a yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, my God. I love that so much. The, like, I like... You know, it's... Because it's different. Because it's different, you know, like, yeah. I, it's, it's a different flavor mm-hmm. than everything else. It's different. And actually, maybe you wouldn't... Actually, I've got, got a wrestling comic question for you in one sec. Yeah. But there's a... Um, but with, yeah, with, with, with Lucha Underground, it's just like... And I've thought this with Kaiju Big Battle too. I thought this with Chikara. I think instead of giving one of these other wrestling companies that's going to come out and is trying to get TV deals that's all kind of rooted in that TNA, WCW kind of world, why not give one of these weird federations a shot? Like, I, I guess they did with Lucha, Libre, Lucha Underground, and it, you know, has had limited success. But, like, I mean, tour it. Do it for real. Because, like, I've got kids. I would love to take them to a Kaiju Big Battles yeah, show right? and show that to them every week on TV. Yeah. Um, my question for you is, I remember when I was a kid and I would watch the credits on WWF mm-hmm. Wrestling. It would say, characters copyright Marvel Comics. Did they, did they have a licensing deal at that time or something? Or it's like some could have been the Hulk Hogan and the Hulk name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it could have been that. Okay, that's I, it. I... Uh, we have a lost episode of this podcast. Yeah, lost because I don't think we have the the okay to to, to release it. We had Hulk Hogan here Whoa. the day his sex tape came out. Um, wow, it was like four, three or two, three years. Yeah, whatever that was. He was super cool, uh, but he didn't sign uh, the paperwork that we have for like the release of photos uh. and video and stuff. So we looked at it all as like this package that we couldn't put out. So I have this what would turn it to be a great interview like we were walking down the hall because we were going so long we had to change rooms yeah and he was telling us about being in Japan and like getting uh, his like leg broken and all this other stuff and then Andre the Giant getting his back and like beating up the the dudes and like this whole he was telling us all these great stories um (laughs) So I have all this Hulk Hogan stuff, and like I have, we have photo. He took photos with almost everyone oh. on staff, and I've n- never given them to the staffers. Oh, because I can't put them online. I can't put them online because yeah. I it's just not. I just wouldn't feel right. He didn't give us permission. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's crazy. Well, and he, then now he, all the the Hulk Hogan stuff going. Well, I was gonna now. say he's in. Yeah, you might not want to release it now, right. but. Uh, he would probably be really willing to sign that. He needs some good press right now, so I'm sure he's yeah, willing to sign I, and I found the 8x10 he signed for me the other day. Oh, like, wow. This was during when he was at TNA and everything. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's nuts when you think about these 
people that are be, these characters that you like look at them as a character and then they're like off screen and they still are that character. Yeah. You must be so like that must be a mind fuck. It's it's a little little crazy. Do you, he do you remember that interview with him where he talked about how he was going to be a Metallica? I don't. I he definitely talked about you know like doing music. A yeah, lot, but it was apparently he was going to be the bass player after Cliff Burton died of Metallica, according to him. Sure, and why not? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. even if it's not true, I want to believe it. So this is that was what like '86, '87. Yeah. So he's like the biggest wrestler in the world, biggest one of the <laughs> biggest people. Yeah, yeah, arguably the most recognizable person in the world after maybe the Pope at that time, I would imagine, because <laughs> like you know it's not like. You know, American sports translate that well internationally, yeah. whereas wrestling translates all over. Yeah. I and love that story. That sounds amazing. It would have been incredible. It would have been like a Mike Watt style Metallica, <laughs> like bass driven, <laughs> like because he's just up in the front. Yeah, right up front, like still the blonde hair. I would say that's probably the worst rhythm section in the history of metal, though. Oh man, Lars and Hulk Hogan. That would that would be something. It would be entertaining. <laughs> brother, pick it up, brother. Brother, you're not there, brother. Um, all right, so we're, we're diverting uh, a ton to wrestling, which is fine because a lot of our listeners love wrestling okay, too. Good. But uh, so you're a huge record collector, yeah, and I love hearing about that on the show. And for comics fans, the there's this whole culture of you know collecting comics, mm-hmm. and oh, I'm like, a comic collector too. Yeah, values of comics. You go to a convention, and it's you know like CGC and very, like all the different levels. How uh, how did you get into record collecting? I got a record collection. Growing up, my dad, like, I'm a collector by blood, I guess. Like, growing up, my, my dad had old comics. Like, he's British, so not very good comics, but, like, he had old comics and he had records. He bought antiques. Like, we just go to antique markets all the time and just look for stuff. And so, you know, being of the age that I was, um, I was collecting, I was collecting comic books kind of the whole time, but then cards came mm. and it was the Blue Jays. World Series mm-hmm. kind of era, so it was nineteen ninety. Yeah, okay. perfect storm for a kid who liked playing Dungeons and Dragons and and reading comic books to get into sports, quote unquote, <laughs> and just start collecting stuff. Yeah, so I started collecting cards there, uh, and then you know immediately kind of shifted my focus back to comics, and that kind of just coincided with the rise of like sort of the uh, the rock star comic creator. You know, I remember reading stories of. What's Rob Liefeld's studio called? What was it? Extreme. Extreme. At that time, it was Extreme, I think. Did you read that article? I think it was in Wizard uh, towards the end where they were talking about them walking around with handfuls of, like, thousands of dollars just because they were selling the gold variations of, like, Brigade issue one. And it would be, like, a $200 book. And they were just selling hundreds of these and just, like, walking around with wads of cash. And I was one of those suckers handing over $50 <laughs> bills for that Brigade <laughs> limited sleep. Um, but luckily, my comic thing for that... Because I, you know, once again, I think it was my dad being the collector, but in finding out that there were millions of these printed and being like, well, well, they're not rare then. And it was always about trying to find the rarity. So then going to these comic book conventions, you'd meet these artists. And a lot of these artists would have sheets that they had drawn, like their actual, like, pages. Yeah, yeah. And they would be cheap. Like, in retrospect, I'm shocked. Like, I don't think it'd ever be like that now because you're buying a piece of original artwork to hang on your wall. You can still get some pages pretty cheap. It's, it blows my mind. Yeah, it blows my mind, too. Because, like, I think, you know, as a comic book fan, you know, if I'm going to collect something, yeah. that would be what I'd love to collect. And yeah. so we would go meet, you know, Jim Lee, and, and, and he'd, he'd be like, yeah, 100 bucks, and you could buy this page. And you'd be like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. Or, like, Wild. the craziest one we ever had was 
I went to this comic book convention, and there was this guy Jimmy Craig, yeah, a, a comic book artist. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy Craig. No, you're thinking of Johnny Craig, the okay. guy who did Iron Man two, three, and four. I think the original. Okay, isn't he? He's a Silver Age guy. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking of a different Jimmy, but one, regardless, Jimmy, one of them, one of the Craigs is the classic Silver Age artist. Okay, and one of the Craigs isn't. <laughs> we met the Craig that wasn't, but he had a stack of pages that he's like, oh, these are my uncle, the other Craigs. And he was selling them, so we bought the splash pages for Iron Man 2, 3, and 4, like the original first you know, Iron Man series, off this guy for like $30 each. And it, and it was just like, that was the thing for a while. It's like Dale Keown was coming, I, I, I'm going to buy the last page of the Hulk from him. And I bought <laughs> that and got him to sign it. And it was like, it, that became the thing. And obviously, I make it seem like I've got a massive collection of this stuff. I only have about 10 pieces because yeah. it was pretty still expensive if sure. <laughs> to be a kid buying that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I was I, – and kind of still am into that stuff. I think now the stuff I would love to buy is a little bit out of my price range, you know. Um, but I still, like, you know, if I ever get a comic book page, you know, I'm like – Incredible, hang it up. You know, I've yeah, got. Well, some... What's it? What would you like if you had the money? What would What would you go after? Ah, <sighs> oh, God, I think I think the thing I would honestly go after is the cover of Secret Wars Two X. It's the X Men Secret Wars Two, and it's them battling a Sentinel on the cover. And I think there's a Beyonder, and it's I, I have like a page from the inside uh, of the book, and is it Romato did that? Um, Junior. I don't. I honestly don't remember who did Secret Wars. So it was an it, uncanny. It's, X-Men it's an page. uncanny X Men page. Oh, so yeah, it would have been Ramita, yeah. like Johnny Junior. Junior and at that point, Chris. Yeah. What's his name? Was the writer? Would have been Claremont. Claremont. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have, thought you meant the actual Secret Wars two. No, 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 no. Which wasn't as. I like the books in that series so much. Like I think you I, can say it's not as good as no. Okay. Other things. It's okay, fine. it's not as good as other it's things. It's fine. But that me. book I loved, and that was one of the first. Like I had been. My parents had bought me comic books. Yeah. I had been buying comic books, but like that was when I was like, I would have been about six going to the store. It was my money. It's like, no, I want this book. Yeah. And I bought that. And I have a page from it, and it's like got the Beyonder holding out a flower. And it's a beautiful page, but I don't know. I've, I've looked at that cover for so long, and I have that cover because I bought the page. I'm like, oh, I should rebuy this. I'm like, oh, one day if I had the money. But then there's also like, oh, there's just so much stuff that I'd love to own. Like sure. my, my friend, this guy, Brian Walsby who does a comic book called Manchild. Okay. Um, he originally did the comic... Like, his story is crazy. Uh, effed up band crazy. It, he uh, <laughs> he started playing drums in this band called Scared Straight. Okay. That's an original Oxnard band on Mystic. Yeah. The, he quits to go... to move to North Carolina to roadie for COC. The rest of that band goes on to become 10-foot pole and pulley. Okay. Um, so when he goes to North Carolina, he meets up with Mac before Super Chunk, and they form this band called Wax that puts out a bunch of seven inches. Um, and Wax is like, you know, a, a good band, famous. Wax is a super fan who comes to all their shows, this like young kid, and he's always like to Brian, like, I want to do a band with you, I want to do a band with you. He's like, we'll make a demo. If I like the demo, we'll, we'll do something together. So the kid comes back with this demo. It's like, these songs are great. Yeah, I'll play drums for you. And they play, they form this band called Patty Duke Experience, and it's Ryan Adams was the kid and it was like Ryan Adams first band (laughs) 
And he also turned down being in Nirvana. Like, all these Amazing. great things. But he also is this incredible illustrator who uh -huh. did the original comic book art covers for the Melvin's 7 Inches. Okay. He did the Melvin's New Mutant ripoff sleeve. The Melvin's have a New Mutant 7 Inch ripoff that he drew way back in, like, 87, sure. I think. And then uh, he also did 7 Seconds Walk Together, Rock Together cover. He drew that. And he's drawn tons of stuff. So I would love to get the cover of one of his Manchild books uh, that he's done. Because he just does these independent comics. And I, I don't know, just his illustration brings me to Oxnard Hardcore, brings me to Melvin's, That's brings awesome. me to Seven Seconds. Yeah, like, yeah. So something like that, I, there's a lot. I'd love to own a Crumb page from Zap. I'd love to own, there's like, I actually do, I still collect comics, you know, like not as... Because, yeah, the, the CGC changed everything. Now I'm like, yeah. i got to send this away to get it appraised. <laughs> do you do that? No. Okay. I want to do it. Do you do it? I, I did a little bit when I was at Wizard. Just yeah. Because that was part Cause of... Because you want to see what it's like. Yeah, yeah. Sort of... It was part of my job and figuring that out and how it affects things. They yeah. do it for toys, too, now, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a company. That, I don't think it's CGC. But no. a company like AFA or something yeah, like cause that. Yeah, because like, uh, I follow a lot of toy collectors on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's my... Actually, when you were asking, my new obsession, uh, toys from when I was a kid but I don't want to collect them because I know I don't have the money or the space. It's a, it's a deep, dark hole to go yeah. down. Oh, I was like, this one guy was like, he posted like, hey, tonight, huge mask sale. Remember mask? Oh, M. Yeah. Dot a. I was like, holy, oh my God, like scrolling through it, like 80 bucks isn't that much for a toy I had as a kid. <laughs> I can buy that. I can justify that. There was a great toy line that had like magnets on it and they had like little gears and so like the things would move oh uh, star riders or something like that so no i have like i still have a couple of them from when i was a kid but like if someone was like hey i got all these for sale i'll be like take my credit well card. don't follow mike's vintage on instagram or you'll be not. in trouble i have no desire that's <laughs> uh, the thing is like on instagram that was i joined i was so reluctant to get on that yeah. thing because i'm like i don't want to see photos of people i work with food or their pets, or this thing. And then I realized, no, it can be a really selfish thing, and I can just look at photos of other people's records. Yeah. <laughs> and then I found about toys. Yeah. And now I look at people's, my friend's stuff, too. <laughs> I got suckered. Uh, but, so, comic collecting, all that stuff, what are, what what is it like collecting records compared to collecting, like, comics or comic art? Because I think for our listeners, they're, they look at, like, a lot of our listeners probably have never thought about Collecting, collecting records, records. And which I have a little bit of, yeah. but I think I think the difference, the main difference for me, and this changes. Like, I think shoe collectors, uh, comic book collectors, there's like two categories of those where you don't really see that as much with record collectors. Maybe there are, but there's like the idea of like I collect this, I'm going to keep it mint as an artifact, and and I'm never going to put it on, or I'm never going to read it, and it's going to stay like this perfect forever. And then you have the other type of collector that's like, I love it. I'm going right. to wear these shoes because they look awesome. I'm going to read this book because I love this book. And I'm still going to collect it and try and keep it clean and, and store it so I don't ruin it. But this is my collection. Sure. I think with records, and I always had a hard time figuring out where I was in that. <laughs> I think I would be better suited for now where I could read the common book with the digital code and then just file the book away yeah. and keep it. Uh, but at the time, I was always like, you know, when the, uh, maybe it was those, actually, maybe it was X-Men number one. And I bought all four variation covers and they all came with a different card mm. and they were all polybagged. And it's like, well, what do I do? I can't read it. Like, how can I fake that I haven't read this? And so it was all those things that were kind of, 
don't know more, what that was. More locks are outside. I love right it. Here. Uh, we uh, I, when I when I like so with records, it, it's a lot more like you you listen to it. Yeah. There are some people I'm sure that like buy records that are sealed yeah. and keep them sealed, but but you listen to it and you yeah. engage with it. And I think for me that was like a much easier kind of thing to deal with. And I think it was also great because it. It, a lot of times, especially with the records I was buying uh, in the beginning and still to this day, it 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 kind of encompassed the big visual aspect of of the re- of comic books for me, like the cover art. Like I was buying seven inches and in LPs. Some of them would come with comic books. RKL had a comic book in their record. Gas Huffer had a comic book in their record. Uh, there's also this comic book artist in Toronto at the time, Tony Ratboy Walsh, okay. and he did a comic book called Ratboy mm-hmm. that. Uh, that w- he was doing art for a lot of the bands at the time, and there would be Rat Boy comics in the record, so it was very easy to kind of cross over, yeah. you know. And I think also like that Melvin's Seven Inch with the New Mutants cover on it, you know, like all seeing those sorts of like, oh yeah, I connect with that, I connect with that too. And uh, and there's also this was actually before my time, but I but when I started collecting records, going through the want lists in there and you could trade like I'm looking for Punisher War journals for limited versions of this record or this and this and this record so it was like oh they are they're so tied together I love it and so yeah I definitely and I haven't stopped collecting comic books but now it's like you know Mr. Natural or Zap if I see something that's pretty cheap or someone wants to (laughs) give me one I'll grab that you know like various superhero books that I love I'll, I'll buy too and like and I think actually coming back to comics now more just less collecting, more reading. Like, you know, reading in the van with Mike, just us sitting, going through major crossovers, like old crossovers that I had missed. Like, last tour, House of M, start to finish, just like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, we can do this now. We can, like, just sit here yeah. and read all these comics. Yeah, I, I went down to Crazy Fest a couple years ago with uh, Self Defense Family. Oh, and yeah. They were. Uh, like the the singer Patrick uh, and my friend Matthew, they were just like in in Sconston and talking about comics and stuff. It was great. It was just like yep. cool to to hear people talk about something that like it, I have this I have my own experience watching them going through it in their own way. It was great and how you do that as a touring musician I think is always fascinating. Well, me. I think I think the commonality between wrestlers and and musicians for the love of comic books because I know you know like. Christopher Daniels, like there's so many like wrestlers that yeah. love comic books, CM Punk. The, I think the commonality that is the fact that you have a lot of time in your own head, trapped in your own world, and you want to escape to a much more interesting, exciting world. And you 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 want to give your ears a rest, you know, because you're listening to loud noise in that ring. I'm sure you're listening to a lot of loud noise. I know when you're in a band, you're listening to loud yeah, noise. Yeah. And this is like a, another way to escape, and it still is visual because a lot of times it's hard to just read a book in the in a moving van or yeah. in a moving vehicle. So I think comic books are the perfect travel companion when you don't have to be the driver, you know, because you can just sit there and read. You, you know, they're short too, so you can put down a chapter and open another one. Totally. When you get next back in there. Yeah. Um, what it and it was probably a tough one. What it would be your like favorite records that you have like collector, uh, collector. as a collector like yeah. if you were like oh my god we gotta we gotta get the kids get the get the pets and I gotta grab these you know th- two three yeah five. so I, I wake up the kids and I'm like okay I need you guys to help me get these records out of the house <laughs> um, 
I would probably uh, 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 I, a couple years ago when Lauren and I actually I'll start I'll, start, I'll save that one for the last one uh, for our anniversary one year when we got married Lauren gave me uh, I guess it's not your anniversary when you get married but when we got married Lauren gave me a test press of the Zero Boys living in the 87 inch and a test press is like uh, an ash can do they even still do ash cans? Rarely. Okay. Very rarely. Well, days. I'm trying to put into comic parlance a preview. Maybe I don't no, know. No, it, it's. I mean, a pencil sketch, an ink proof, I guess, or something. I, the closest thing is kind of just like the original pages. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and they would do. They do like seven or eight of these, and then they're given to the bands, and normally they have blank labels. Probably a lot of cases, no sleeve, and you know that's how they test if the record's good, and if they approve it, they go back, and so. Uh, Lauren, my beautiful wife and mother of my children, gave me the Zero Boys living in the 80s test press, which definitely would be saved. Uh, I would also have to save, I have a 7-inch by this band, the H100s from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, they did 25 with a clear sleeve. Um, it's not a particularly valuable record. I know I have records in my collection that probably would fetch more money. Mm-hmm. But I know I wouldn't be able to get it again. Like I know the people <laughs> that are holding on to it. Like that, wouldn't yeah. sell it. Yeah. So I, I would definitely grab that. Uh, I would probably grab, oh, I would grab my Destroy All Monsters 7-inch, which is Niagara. She's like a visual artist from Detroit. And Destroy All Monsters was like an artistic collective, but it was Ron Ashton from the Stooges after he quit the Stooges, was playing guitar in them. And they did the 7-inch. It's incredible. You're Gonna Die. Gigi Allen completely ripped off for his song, <laughs> You're Gonna Die. And uh, they also have on it called Board, which is killer. And when we, we, we got a chance to open, my band F'd up, we opened for the Stooges one time. And it was the day they had all their gear ripped off. And so we thought they were going to be nightmare to deal with because they're rock stars, at least we thought. Um, they didn't talk to us before the show. It was really awkward and weird, and we're like, well, I guess that's the way it is. Mike Watt did. I should say Mike Watt did. But then after we played and after they played, they were the best people in the world, like like a fantasy. Yeah. And Ron Ashton and I were just talking, and I brought the 7-inch in my bag just on the odd chance. And I wasn't even getting autographs I, at that time. I'm now a little bit better about getting autographs, but <laughs> at that time I'm like, oh, why would I want to do that? That would make him think that I'm below him, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I had the seven inch in my bag, and just you know, he and I talked for like a long time, and then I'm just like, "Do you mind if you sign this and pull it out of my bag?" And he's like, "I would love to." And he just like started this whole conversation about Destroy All Monsters. He signed it for That's me. Awesome. Yeah, and and I like, and and I mean that night meant so much, and and that experience. And then he passed away like a month, two months later, and it just like, I don't know, just that record for me is like, you know, not that that was the best show we ever played, but. Right. That was the high watermark for experience for me, I think. Nice. Um, number four. Got to put something Canadian in there. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I definitely take my Teenage Head's acetates. Teenage Head are the Canadian Ramones. Okay. And they actually weren't the first band to get a record out in Canada, even though they were one of the first bands to form. Like, they formed, like, 75. They kind of predate the Ramones in a very you know a very early lineup I should say uh, that didn't really do anything but then they get a record out in 1978 called Picture My Face and it's amazing if there's any justice in the world this would be this would be the Canadian Blitzkrieg bop or it would be you know they would be held up on a higher level and in the pantheon of great you know music in Canada but they're not Uh, (laughs) I, I got their acetates one time there's a record store in Toronto 
and it's it's probably the most famous record store in Toronto called Rotate This. And the guy, Brian Taylor, who managed it, he was a musical genius, invented death metal sound, played in a bunch of great punk and hardcore bands. Also, is probably the biggest dick to me when it comes to records in the world. And so one time he he told me to leave the store because he didn't feel like selling me records that day. Whoa. Yeah, no, it, it, in a loving way. <laughs> but And I walked down the street to the store that mainly sold hip-hop records, and I saw in the window they had a... Um, a copy of the Teenage Head second LP with an OBE strip, which is what they put on records in Japan. I'm like, oh, crazy, a Japanese pressing of this record, a Canadian record, I'd never seen this. So I went and I brought up the counter, and the guy's like, oh, do you like this band, the Teenage Heads? And I'm like, yeah, I love the Teenage Heads. And he's like, cool, and he pulls out all the acetates, and he's like, their manager came and sold them all here, you wanna buy them? So I bought the acetates, so that, I would definitely save those. And then the last one is, when Lauren and I moved a couple years ago, I had 400 records that I couldn't fit into our new place. And so I took all 400 records and I sold them. And I had probably more cash money in my hand than I (laughs) I, I ever have. And there's a store, Rotate This, Brian Taylor, uh, once again comes up, and he was selling through another person, uh, a very awesome woman who's incredible her stories in punk rock uh, was selling her record collection and one of the things she had in her record collection was a Necros test press uh, this old band from Ohio from way back when and so he put it on and immediately realized that this wasn't the Necros test press this was the negative approach rejected mixed test press the one with the songs that they had said nah it doesn't sound good forget it and so I took all that money I got for the 400 records and bought that one record (laughs) they all right, that, that that that's a whole other crazy story. That's fascinating. Yeah, I spent all my money on that one record. How do you feel about that? Uh, I've talked <laughs> in my defense. He had like ten thousand other records, so minimizing by four hundred, which couldn't fit on the shelves, but it's fine by me. I, I would say I had talked about this record. Yes. I've been talking about this record yes. longer than I'd known you. Yeah. So this record, I should have married this record. It's to be minute. honest. No, I shouldn't have. Uh, the children would have been a lot weirder. Uh, um, awesome. Uh, we're going to wrap up yeah. really shortly. Uh, but what else, aside from F-Dup, you are a very busy man. Mm-hmm. What else are you doing? Trying to not have to get a real job. No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of different things. I've been uh, incredibly lucky. You know, Prior to this, I, I, like yourself, worked in a video store. You know, And, and then this band fell into becoming something real you know I don't think anyone in this band we it was always real to us we were always passionate about it but like the the uh the level that could be obtained by a band like us was one where we would never be able to do this for any stretch of time as a living and so here we are doing it as a living and sort of in that I've been asked to be a VJ I was a VJ on much music for three years which was really weird (laughs) um very very bizarre I did uh, that's where I got to bring CM Punk though to uh-huh. the comic book store so I did get to do some fun stuff there I also had Chris Jericho on and Dolph Ziggler on I, I've, I have been meaning to get Jericho to come by um, and like I remember we were we were chatting and so I gave my email and so he sent me an email I was like uh, his like his uh, shoot last name and I was like who's this guy <laughs> oh, wait a minute that's Jericho <laughs> that's his email that's who he is right <laughs> No, he and he, he is mad cool, mad mad That's cool great. too. He was great, and 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 Ziggler was cool too. But it was like, yeah, it was my excuse to try and find a way to get shoehorn wrestlers onto the show. Dude, um, that's what I do. Exactly. You, we're living the same dream. Boom. Um, and then I went to uh, I did a food show on Food Network Canada called Super Snack Brothers, and I do 
Uh, is that still going? No, that's kind of done okay. for now. Uh, it was fun. It was just like this, like, hey, do you want to do this web series? I'm like, sure, I eat. <laughs> uh, and then I did uh, these docs for Vice magazine called Canadian Cannabis. Cool. And so I've and done, those are still rolling? So Yeah, I'm doing, about to do another one next week. Um, with, it's a big issue in Canada with the election coming up. Uh, and so it's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of uh, sub issues to unfold in that one issue. So we're imagine. going back to do uh, another story over there, and yeah. just yeah, just trying to keep busy, trying to do you know more stuff. I'm doing this podcast now for a couple almost a year, and that's been unbelievable. Like, I, what is the name of the show? Uh, it's called Turned Out a Punk. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it, it we have pretty much the coolest people in the world on it. <laughs> Um, and uh, it's been great. It's been fun. It's just like something I kind of started because I got I asked a company if they could give me microphones to do it, and they said sure. So I got a microphone, and I just started recording interviews with people. And it's now almost a year in, yeah. and had there's a couple people that I want to get to, you know. Still, yeah, but you got time. I got I mean, time, you know? you know. But it's funny. I, I was going to say there's a couple people I wanted to get to, but in the first year, I can only think of. Maybe about half a dozen I didn't get to that I wanted to, which is amazing for me because I yeah. was like, we'll see. if Maybe I'll do three episodes and that'll be it. I, I, I like it. I look at it similarly to Colt Cabana's podcast. That's my inspiration. Um, that, Colt was my 100%. That's well, who I stole it from. I, what I like about Not it is – Not stole, there's, borrow. Sure. <laughs> there's that the just super cool yep. conversational aspect, but it's also – I know going into an episode – I don't have to know who the person is mm -hmm. and that I can find out all about who they are, where they come from, their like their world and get super drawn in because the host is great and the person who's talking to them knows what they're is just it's got great stories. Mm -hmm. uh, so like I love Colt because half of the people who he interviews, I just don't know because yeah. I don't have the indie exposure that I would love to. Well, that he does. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like. The dude from the Dirt Bombs. I remember listening to that. It was named Ben. Ben Blackwell. Yeah, yeah, Ben. I I had no clue who he was. I don't know the the Dirt Bombs at all. Like, but hearing those stories and like the all the White Stripe stuff and all like the various things and his enthusiasm. Like, I just listened to that one. Like, I think last week. So I was like, oh, awesome. this is a, this is crazy. I like, <laughs> but I, something brand new. I had no idea. About. What you bring up, uh, Art of Wrestling, Cole Cabana's podcast is that is like. You know, and obviously he's influenced by Mark Marin. So, yeah. you know, Mark Marin, I guess. Is but Mark gets heavier than... Heavier. And I think also Mark, you know, like he does go smaller names, people, but it's always a name. Whereas Colt, right off the top, he said, this is going to be a podcast where I'm going to interview my friends. I'm yeah. not going to chase down big name wrestlers. You can send in your suggestions. Right. But I want to interview people I know and I know I can have a good conversation with. And it's like, I don't know, I've tried to have that be the guiding thing for this. Like there's some people I've interviewed that I've never met before. But for the most part, I want to make sure I know the person a little bit. Yeah. You know, just because I, I that with when you listen to Cole, sure. it's so great because he goes so Yeah. It's it's deep and people go as deep as they want to go, but even when they don't go deep, you get a sense of who this person is because it's just like a fun chat, you know? And so yeah, Cole Art of Wrestling. I, I don't think I'd be doing it without that. That podcast for me, and I love all wrestling. I love all the wrestling podcasts, like Flair. Like Woo Nation is incredible. Like I haven't listened to that yet. Right. Oh. I I have I just don't know. I can't find the time to listen to everything. So I constantly like four episodes yeah. come in, and I haven't listened to four episodes worth of other shows to like feel like I'm still on the same All, level. I'm going to tell you this with Woo Nation, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. The Kevin Sullivan episode. 
we cannot discuss anything that happens on here, <laughs> but it will blow. Like, I was like, listen to it. I'm like, my, my jaw was on the floor of my bathroom as I was sitting on the toilet listening to it. Like, there is, how are they going to, how is he not going to get fired after this? I love it. <laughs> it's incredible. All right. But like Colt, me. yeah, but like Colt more than anyone, I think that's, that's what I thought could apply to this world, you know? And it, yeah. Because it's just like, you have people that are on the road, you spend a lot of time with them and a chance to kind of like just decompress and talk. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Has uh, he come by ever? Colt? No. You know, like I talked to him and he's just not a comic book guy. Yeah. He doesn't have that information. And we've had those instances where, you know, we do stuff with people and they just like, yeah, yeah, Superman's cool. And I'm just yeah, like, I, no, nope. I, I've had that. That's the thing with Turn Out of Punk that like a couple people have been like, hey, when are you going to have me on the podcast? And I'm like, how do I tell that person that I know you're full of when you go yeah. poop when you said that you were into punk? Sorry about that. It's all right. I'm sure hopefully Blake will listen and, and <laughs> edit it out and we'll get to it. Um, uh, one of the other things which I appreciate because you came in, you just sat down. We just did an hour on your show uh, with me. No notes. And no. I'm always fast. Like, you know, different people who do different interviews have their ways of doing them. And that's fine. And like me, I, I'd rather just have that conversation. So it, I, it's super cool. I, and, I, and I would have notes like if, as I mentioned in my podcast, like I've been thinking about interviewing you for like since I met, I met Blake at Governor's Ball two years ago now. And he's like, you got to meet this guy. Ryan, he told me to come up and talk to you and tell you to come by Marvel. He's cool. He's in a punk and and I'm like, and that's just when I was formulating this podcast. I'm like, what? A punk rocker at Marvel? Like this would be someone I got to interview. So I've been kind of formulating these questions, but like, yeah, like I, the notes, you know, when I interview people for for my VJ thing, when I used to do that, the notes change the way you do it. Yeah, like I don't want to look down at no. something. I want to be able to just talk. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's hard sometimes because like yeah you forget things yeah that's the only, that's the only problem yeah. with it is like crap I wanted to mention this one thing that's why like, we need those Google Glass yeah I <laughs> we had the warriors we had warriors in here like two weeks ago and I wanted to mention to them that listening to them reminds me of discount and the cranberries but a punk rock version and I totally forgot <laughs> and like because I wanted to get into some influence stuff <laughs> yeah and then I was like afterwards I was like they left. I forgot. <laughs> Whatever. I love Discount. That's we're done. Yo, how about Discount? Talk about someone who turned out a punk. Yeah. Allison from Discount. She's in what is that band? The Dead yeah. Weather and okay. The Kills. The Kills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But those Discount records. Oh, incredible. So good. She she doesn't like when you bring it up. I know. I've heard. Yeah. And that's a bummer. She's getting better about it. Okay. Like when I first met her, I was like Discount. And he's like, yeah, it was a long time ago. And then now it's like you're like, yeah, Discount. It was so important though. Yeah, like, it was. And they were a band that like. It's not like she was in like gutter mouth. <laughs> like it's like you, you, there's nothing to be ashamed of. No, <laughs> you didn't. Um, all right. Do you do any writing? Is there places where you ben- can uh, at Left for Damien on the Twitter? And I like I try writing a little bit, but I find uh, I'm a much better uh, blabber than sure. I can at writing it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been working on a four thousand. It's four thousand words right now. Piece about the history of of popular music and pro wrestling. And it's for who? Just for yourself? Originally, or? it was for Talkhouse website, and uh-huh. they, and they they probably I owe it to them to eventually publish it. But I because I they were like, is it done? And they were like, it's supposed to be like no more than a thousand words. And I'm like, I just can't stop. Like yeah, I just yeah. keep finding all this stuff. Like, did you know, Mean Gene Okerlund is in the South Dakota Music Hall of Fame for his rockabilly career? I did not. And he has uh like two rockabilly records that Norton reissued. 
Like just so much weird stuff That's like amazing. that. Like or Greg Sage from the Wipers played in um oh, what was his name? Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on this now. Beauregard, Beauregard, this wrestler from Portland, his LP. He did like a fuzzed out psych record. Uh-huh. And Greg Sage was fourteen years old or fifteen years old or something, and he heard him practicing. He's like, Do you want to play in my band? <laughs> So there's, like, all these weird connections between wrestling and, like, oh, the other one that's weird. You know the Brett the Hitman Heart, like, song that he did on the WrestleMania record? Oh, the, the ballad one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's written by the same guy that wrote Never Gonna Give You Up for Rick Isley and uh, Do the Locomotion. Like, the producers that did all that stuff. It's crazy. That's wild. It's so weird. So I'm writing this huge article, like, Conan nearly getting signed to rap a lot records. Like, all this stuff is in it. Um, but it, it's a long time coming. A big section for uh, the Juggalo Championship Wrestling? Well, I've got, like, that's the thing is, like, I'm like, like, I could do a whole separate article just about Juggalo Championship Wrestling. And I talk a lot about Insane Clown Posse because there's a section in about WCW and all the musicians they had brought in. That was a crazy time, too. Weird time. The Misfits connection and Vampiro and all that stuff. To think you had a wrestling company with the Misfits, (laughs) Master P, and the Insane Clown Posse and Kiss. All involved in the organization. I don't even know. That's crazy. <laughs> no wonder that company. Too big to fail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so you mentioned Left for Damien. That's where fans can find you yeah. on, on And Instagram, at Left for Damien. I have a website, DamienAbraham.com, which has all the past episodes of the podcast. And uh, and the uh, effed uh, up. Where are they? Because oh, uh, we want people oh, yeah. to check out the band. Effed up, but you spell <laughs> that word, uh, the words. Uh, uh, but one word, period, dot cc. Okay. If you look at... Also, you guys are on what? Uh, what record label? Uh, we... Um, a lot of them came out on Matador, Matador. Uh, J-Tree, Deranged Records. If you look, if you Google Damien Abraham punk, I bet you I come up. And if not, I'm suing that other guy. You need to get some SEO training oh, done. Definitely need to do something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really not... Uh, I'm like a... I'm like the the guy who's become who's had to become a social media expert, but is not an expert. <laughs> That's fair. Um, we'll have to have you come back. I would do love it anytime to. you're in New York. You're welcome. We'll set up and have you on the regular show. What were the books? Do some fun stuff. I've asked you this before, but what were those books that Marvel did? And they would all the the binds were different. Co- the binders were different colors, and it was like an encyclopedia of Marvel characters. Official handbook of Marvel universe. Yeah, and there's different volumes. Uh-huh. We should go through my copies of those one day and just yeah, talk about man, all those characters. Yeah, man, that'd be a fun episode. And actually, one time at a comic book fair, I got and I it's it's like some weird costume variation of an AIM agent. Uh huh. But I got one of the sketches from that book. Yeah, yeah. Like at at a comic convention it was one of the best I'm like I I read this book I brought him to summer camp I hated summer camp and just sat in my bunk just pouring over those handbooks some of my earliest memories with comics were at summer camp oh yeah yeah summer camp is actually probably a lot of kids got into comics that way that's where you yeah. first learn about Wolverine yeah you're like oh you read that book this guy's got claws <laughs> uh, on that note thank you sir thank you appreciate it oh no I appreciate it this is Marvel <laughs>